Hey everyone, welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about new and upcoming video games, as well as who they are and what they do behind the scenes. In this episode, I talk to James Kona and Daniel Spiteri of Pixel Engineers about their new game, Hunt and Sneak, a manic party hide-and-seek game that could be described as the love child between Luigi's Mansion and Dead by Daylight. For more information about the game, check out the links in the description below on YouTube or in the show notes for this episode on DarkStation.com. There you can also find the original DarkCast as well as other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at DarkStation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Back to Darkcast Interviews. I'm Jonathan Miley. Joining me today is James Kona and Daniel Spiteri. How are you guys doing? Really good. Thanks very much. Very good. Thank you. And yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I um I, I said this before the, the interview started, but I guess you know, just to warn the audience in case anything goes awry, uh, I spilled coffee on my keyboard literally moments <laughs> ago. So if things just go haywire, you know why. Uh, <laughs> but I have a fresh cup of coffee right here next to me, away from the keyboard, oh, um, but it's it. delicious, so that's good. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> so we are here to talk about, uh, so you, you guys work for Pixel Engineers, and or work at, maybe not for, uh, it's kind of a weird <laughs> verbiage when it comes to video games, because yeah, especially with like indie developers, you're not really working for anybody you're working for yourselves which is a, a really awesome thing but anyway i'm getting myself sidetracked um <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about uh hunt and sneak uh or hunt in sneak i guess would be the, the proper way to say it uh which yeah. is like a party-based uh stealth evasion game uh, yep. but before we get into the game itself i want to talk to you guys and you know get a get to know a little bit about what you do on the game and kind of where you guys came from. So whoever wants to take it away first, tell me about yourself. Oh, oh James, please. please. <laughs> oh, basically, um, about two years ago, once I've uh, left university, I really wanted to get into game development, and uh, the best way was to do that was to just start making my own game. And, I mean, you never know this, but um, it takes a long, long time to get anywhere. So uh, it's now part, like, two years down the track and finally releasing your first game. And it's been a, a long journey to get here, basically. Um, but, yeah. Very cool. What about you, Daniel? Well, I worked with um, I worked with James on a uh, – when we were both at um... – AIE together. That's the Academy of Interactive Entertainment at uh, uh, in Melbourne. Um, I worked with James on our sort of our final project for for the year, sort of our graduation project. 
um, and we really clicked on that project. Um, actually, you know, we were able to produce a really cool result, and you know, we um, passed with flying colours, so to speak. Um, and afterwards, I was sort of considering how am I going to make my how am I going to make my debut in the uh, on the sort of uh, game developer scene, which is a pretty tough. Uh, tough one to crack mm-hmm. um sort of as i was considering this and uh you know how i was going to make a you know a day job out of this or even just how to you know bring game development into my uh, my day-to-day um james reached out to me and said hey do you want to come and uh, come and work on uh, hunt and sneak with me i thought well sounds good to me and uh, sort of jumped on that bandwagon and i've been hitched to it ever since <laughs> fantastic so both of you guys are pretty fresh out of university. Then, as far as uh, is this your fir- is this your first um, like professional, or I guess you know, release game or publicly released game? Yes, yes, it is. Yep. Okay, very cool. So, yeah. James, what what do you actually do on the project? Uh, so I do, I mean, basically everything apart from the <laughs> design and art. So I do all of the programming and most of the marketing and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, just really taking on all of the the roles. Um, as you were saying before, you know, we're not really working for pixel engineers. We are pixel engineers, and right. that's basically basically me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> James James is a machine. <laughs> I don't think I don't think James sleeps. If I'm being perfectly honest. Ooh. I mean, I, I go to bed and uh, James is online. I wake up in the morning and James is online, still working. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple of maybe four hours in between where I get a good nap. <laughs> he just powers down, sleep mode. <laughs> like it's those, uh, those micro naps that are like 20 seconds long or whatever. Maybe yeah. For, for hours. <laughs> yeah. Definitely seems that way. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Daniel, what do you do on the on the game? Uh, well, level design mostly. Um, sort of dedicated myself to uh, developing the uh, the maps for the game, um, the modes, which are you know short and sweet party game as it is. Um, but yeah, overall uh, development of uh, mechanics and uh, overseeing um, the dynamics, I suppose, how those mechanics interact with with each other, uh, making sure the aesthetics are on point so that the you know, player feels excited when we want them to feel excited and they, you know, feel scared when we want them to feel scared and that type of thing. Hmm. Excellent. Well, so uh, we're kind of, you know, dancing around uh, the game itself, talking about what you do on it. So what is uh, Hunt and Sneak? Uh, I guess, you know, start off with just kind of the quick elevator pitch of kind of what the game is. Yeah, for sure. Hunt and Sneak is a... A manic uh, online and local multiplayer game for two to four players, and it's basically like hide and seek in the dark, where you've got um, one gobbler trying to capture three little pixies, and the pixies have to use their their abilities to be to be able to evade the gobbler and that sort of thing. And the pixies are normally invisible, so they have to use light to be able to navigate away from the gobbler. And the gobbler has a, a light to be able to try to find the pixies. So are are they just uh, are the pixies just generally invisible or are they invisible when it's dark? Uh, they're invisible when it's dark. So if there's a light from a gobbler or a light from their their own light, then they are visible. Gotcha. Okay. 
So just the the gobbler being near a pixie will kind of reveal the pixie. Uh, yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, so what are you actually? What is um? I guess what are you doing when you're playing the game? You're playing as the pixies. You're playing as the gobbler. What's what's happening? Well, we give the uh, the player the the option um, as you're sort of entering the uh, character select menu. Once you've uh, chosen your map and and game mode, um, one player can join in as the as the gobbler, um, who, as James said, has the sort of role of hunting down and capturing the pixies. Uh, or if you're not the gobbler, then you you jump in as uh, as one of the three pixies. Uh, all the characters have their own uh, unique ability. Um, which you know varies up the gameplay a bit. Um, the pixies' abil- abilities are generally uh, aimed towards helping them uh, escape the gobbler, or you know make a, a quick dash out of the way, or cast a shield to sort of break that line of sight. Um, whereas, of course, the gobbler's abilities are, are more aggressive and uh, directed towards hunting down and catching the pixies. Okay. So, so what I'm hearing is this is the true successor to the uh, Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow multiplayer of Spies vs. Mercenaries. <laughs> is, that, is that right? <laughs> Could be. Uh, well, people have kind of drawn comparisons between uh, Hunt and Sneak and uh, sort of calling it a, an adorable Dead by Daylight or okay. um, <laughs> uh, drawing comparisons between uh, our game and uh, Luigi's Mansion. Uh, okay. It's come up a few times as well. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So, so what you're saying is, if Luigi, Luigi's Mansion and Dead by Daylight had a baby, it would be Hunt and Sneak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's the love child. Yep. Gotcha. Fantastic. Good to know. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, this is a party game. Can you play it by yourself? Can you be just the gobbler hunting pixies, or does it require? multiplayer at the moment it requires uh, multiplayer but we're actually working on the ai and we're going to be shipping an update to that in the next month or so okay um yeah is that is that more geared towards just somebody being able to play the game by themselves or is that uh like filling out the roster being able to have like all the pixies on screen at one time even if you just have like two people playing it would be more more like filling out the roster and that sort of thing uh, ideally, you'd want to have the most amount of players that you can. So sure. You can, yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so, uh, so you can play as the gobbler. You can play as uh, what three pixies? So a total of four players. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so what? I guess uh, as a pixie, kind of what are you doing moment to moment in the game? Uh, it sounds like a lot of your abilities are geared toward evading the gobbler not actually fighting it or anything like that is there a way to fight back if you're the pixie not at current um we've got uh, three game modes currently uh in the game um the general or i suppose the the standard game mode uh ping is uh, uh very much sort of hide and seek focused um where the pixies are trying to survive a, a a two-minute round, uh, so their objective is just to stay alive for the uh, for the full two minutes. And if uh, at least one pixie survives until the uh, uh, at the point where the round timer reaches zero, uh, and the pixies take the round, um, it's a good game mode actually, just to sort of get introduced to the game uh, and the mechanics. Um, the other two game modes we have, we have a uh, stockpile 
game mode uh, where the pixies are actually running around and uh, uh, trying to collect uh, what we call moon dust from these uh, orbs that drop from the sky. Um, and in doing so, they earn points. And the objective there is obviously to earn a uh, X amount of points, um, which will result in victory for the pixies. Uh, and the last game mode we've got in the game currently is uh, called Cursed, which is actually uh, more of a, uh, a tag uh, type of game mode, uh, where one player will start off as the as the gobbler, uh, and once that gobbler captures a pixie, they'll actually trade places. So uh, the gobbler who captures the pixie will become a pixie themselves, uh, and the pixie that was captured will become uh, the gobbler. Uh, and the whole point of that game mode is to spend the least amount of time uh, as the gobbler uh, okay. and that person will, will win the round. Awesome. Uh, so you, you mentioned, uh, and yeah, obviously we've got pixies, we've got gobblers, you mentioned something called moon dust. Uh, that all sounds very adorable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I... You know, with with a lot of games today, it's like you got to be as gritty and gnarly and nasty as possible. Uh, what was kind of the inspiration of going this more kind of cartoony? Uh, I don't know if I would say like kid kid friendly route or anything, but just I don't know what 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 was the inspiration behind the the direction art direction of the game. Well, we basically just wanted to have a, a game which is playable by all ages. Okay. And we thought that this was a really cool art style to go with. I mean, we we took a long a long time to actually get to this art style. Uh, initially, the game was a, a sci-fi theme, and yeah. that is like completely different to what we have now. Um, but yeah, just through iteration that sort of thing, we eventually found that if we had some like unique characters, that's something that you know players would really like to you know play as these really interesting characters and. Uh, evidently, we've had a, a lot of requests for people wanting to get plushies. Um, obviously, we don't have any right now, but um, that would be something they would really like to do in the future. Nice. That's really cool. Yep. Uh, so what what are the actual like abilities of the, the Pixies and the Gobbler when you're playing the game? Right. Uh, well, should I start with the Gobblers or the Pixies? Uh, <laughs> we'll start with the Pixies. Um so we've got several pixies in the game uh, currently. We've got uh, Fungi, which is the mushroom cat pixie. Uh, fungi will actually transform into an uh, object in the environment to disguise himself from the gobbler. Um, so it'll sort of find the nearest object. It might be a crate or a, a barrel or a couch, really anything in the environment that's close to the um, player's location. And it'll take on the form of that uh that particular object and help the pixie sneak around. Um, and we've got uh, Bergy, who's the ice pixie. Uh, Bergy will actually cast an ice shield, um, which will protect him from, I say him, really, should say it, uh, <laughs> protect it from the cobbler. Um, it's really great for sort of blocking up uh, passageways or doorways. And uh, can we've seen it used uh, to sort of great effect to sort of help uh, teammates make a quick getaway as well, which is really uh, which is really cool. Um, we've got Rumble, uh, the green pixie, uh, who will actually open up wormholes. Uh, so he opens up a wormhole, jumps in it, and transport uh, teleports himself to a, another part of the map. Um, what's interesting is that as soon as a wormhole is opened, anyone can 
make use of it. Um, even the gobbler. We've had some interesting cases where the wormhole's been opened and uh, the gobbler's accidentally tripped into it and uh, sent himself to the other side of the map. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we've got Smolder, who's the uh, the fire pixie, and Smolder has a uh, and a dash ability where he can move very very quickly, uh, taking on the form of, of a fireball. Um, so those are the pixies. Uh, as for the the gobblers themselves, um, there's a shadow claw, which uh, basically be seen on most of our promotional material. Um, shadow claws uh, got what we called uh, ultra vision. Um, the line of sight, uh, which is used to reveal the pixies, is actually doubled in length and allows him to sort of see through walls and makes tracking the pixies uh, a lot easier. Um, makes for some really intense chase scenes as well. Um, there's Pugsley, um, who will release these uh, floating orbs of light that uh, will scour the map, and uh, they'll actually light up the pixies uh, as well, um, making it easier for them to be found and captured. Um, then there's Octolabra, uh, who will leave a trail of uh, sticky uh, wax, if you like, and Pixie will step into the wax and uh, it'll slow them down and uh, illuminate their position. Uh, and then there's Arachnid, and Arachnid's got a uh, charge ability, which is actually quite uh, quite terrifying considering he's a spider-like character. Um, some people who are very uneasy about uh, <laughs> spiders uh, definitely were made to feel quite uncomfortable when they uh, <laughs> saw Arachnid in his animations as he charged across the map. <laughs> So, uh, just out of curiosity, do the other gobblers pick on Pugsy? Because you've got you've got like cute names for all the pixies. Then you've got Shadow Claw and Arachnid. <laughs> Pugsy. Like, do, does he get picked on a lot? I feel like he gets picked on a lot. Or I guess it, but they, whatever the right verbiage is. Um, well, I think, <laughs> I think was Pugsley your? I think Pugsley was one of your favorites, James, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, Pugsy's name is cute, but he's super scary. Like he's, <laughs> he's got a gigantic mouth and he has a soul inside of him. Like, he's pretty scary. So it's, it's basically, it's like a boy named Sue sort of situation. He had to, he had to grow up strong and grow up mean. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should hear his laugh. It's very manic. <laughs> Now, at, at the beginning, you kind of described the show as a as a manic uh, party game. Uh, what what makes this manic? Uh, so, as playing as a pixie, uh, you have to basically track where your position is, and while you're moving around, invis like you have to move around while you're invisible. Um, as sometimes you like you move around and you go, oh, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm there, and then you look back and you're like, oh. How did I get, I'm over there. How did I get over there? And then it's just like a, a constant constant thing to be like thinking about and um, sort of battling with. But um, obviously, you know, you're you're hidden to the gobbler, but sometimes you can even, you know, uh, walk towards the gobbler and then you get light up and you just didn't even know you were there. So it's just very, uh, a bit crazy like that. Yeah, so there's a it, lot of risk. Uh... Oh, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say that that obviously makes a lot of sense. If you're playing like couch co-op with the game, or or local co-op, I guess it'd be kind of hard to do couch at a computer. Uh, but anyway, 
Um, that makes sense in that scenario, but if you're playing online, do the same rules apply? You still can't see yourself when you're in dark? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. definitely. It's all, all the same rules. Cool. Okay, yep. what, what were you going to say, Daniel? Sorry. I was going to say, yeah, just as uh, there's a lot of risk versus reward in the Pixies using their ping ability, which is their light casting spell. Um, being that uh, you want to go unseen, but um, you know, there's times where you're sort of just a bit anxious about where where you are in relation to the sort of gobbler's position. So, uh, you know, plays use it, and like James said, they're sometimes in a, a very uh, <laughs> precarious situation when they do. Um, which, when that does happen, um, you know, the, the chase scene uh, breaks out, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's good fun for everyone uh, involved, especially. Uh, you know, when one pixie sort of leads, is running away and leads them to the other pixies unknowingly mm. <laughs> and everyone's freaking out and the gobbler's getting too close. <laughs> uh, so as far as just like playing the game, are the pixies generally faster than the gobbler? Is the gobbler faster than the pixies? Uh, how does, how does, how do those chase sequences work out? I mean, obviously you got to use your abilities to try to get away uh, and you can't mm-hmm. fight it, but yeah. what... Yeah. So the Gobbler is like very, very minutely faster. Uh, it's probably not even two or three percent faster, um, but that makes up the difference. You know, if the, if a pixie makes one wrong step, mm. then uh, they're easily easily captured. Gotcha. So or or if you're just on your, running on your, away, on your toes. Yeah. If you're just running away, he eventually will will get you. Uh, yes. And got to um, take a lot of those tight corners. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you know you can hide around a corner and then jump back, you juke the gobbler and you know, trick him. That's probably the the better way of going about uh, escaping the gobbler. Okay, very cool. Uh, do gobblers live up to their name and actually gobble the uh, the pixies, or do they just make like turkey gobble noises? What what what's their name inspiration? <laughs> uh, just. No real inspiration. Okay. Um, literally just came coming up with um, names and that sort of thing, and it sort of just stuck. Um, yeah. I, that being I, said, I, a giant turkey would be terrifying. I was going to say, I now <laughs> expect, I expect um, a, a turkey gobbler uh, to show up in a future update, and uh, you can yeah. just – I'll send you you know, my address for, for any royalties for that. Uh, <laughs> when is Thanksgiving? <laughs> Uh, November something or other. I don't. I don't know. Some... Uh, November twenty eighth. There you go. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Make, make plans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this does. Oddly enough, this seems like the perfect kind of game to do. Uh, like seasonal stuff that, like, I don't know. Maybe wouldn't be that difficult. Just some like art assets, which art's not mm. easy or anything. But that that seems like it'd be kind of cool to have. You know, a giant pumpkin. Uh, one yes. month, giant turkey another month. Uh, <laughs> uh, Santa Claus with a giant, you know, mouth eating pixies. Uh, could, <laughs> could, could be entertaining. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the goal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you already mentioned that uh, you've got some updates uh, coming down the line uh, with, you know, some basically like bot versions of the pixies to be able to fill out the roster as you're playing. Any other updates to the game that you guys want to talk about or can talk about and um, so there's another update that we're going to be doing after the bot update uh which will be about a, a month after that and that's when we're planning to release a new game mode and two new characters 
Yeah. Are are they pixies or gobblers or one of each? Uh, one or, of each. Okay. I'm gonna say are yeah. some unknown third playable character. Uh, but... No. <laughs> one of each. And um, yeah, so the game mode is going to be a trapped game mode where basically the gobblers have to put the, all of the pixies into a cage, um, but the pixies can actually open up the cages to let their pixie friends out. Okay. Uh, so it just gives a little bit of a, an objective for the pixies to, you know, try to free their friends and the gobblers got to try to put them in cages and they, they are actually, you know, hanging up in the sky in a cage. So it looks quite funny. Yeah. So is it always as far as the the way the game generally works? Is it always one gobbler and three pixies, or does that ratio change? Can you have multiple gobblers? For the moment, it's just going to be one gobbler and okay. three pixies. Um, but we would like to implement other other different types of game modes. Okay. Um, one game mode we had, which was like a, a zombie sort of style one, where the gobbler would capture a pixie and then the pixie would turn into a gobbler, and then you just have like two gobblers and two pixies or something like that. Hmm. Like that, that's that sort of thing. Playing around with all those sort of you know, interesting game modes would be something we really want to do. Yeah, there's definitely the intention for some uh, some more objective type gameplay to uh, to be added uh, to the game. Um, we've uh, we've had a look at uh, our options and uh, sort of made plans for uh, for down the line. Not going to say anything about a timeline at the moment because I don't want to say anything in stone. <laughs> um, there is also plans. Um, down the line to add some uh, sort of environmental um, hazards uh, or effects to each uh, each of the maps, um, just to vary gameplay a little bit and make it um, more interesting and more immersive for the uh, for the players. Um, so that's something we uh, we have plans for as as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I think that does it for from our questions on the game itself. Uh, so that means mm-hmm. it's time for the end game, uh, which is the, uh, it's my favorite part. And I think uh, my, <laughs> you know, interviewee's least favorite part, because it's terrifying. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen next. Um, yeah. So the, the first question is not easy, but it's very simpler, simple. Um, and that is, who is your favorite video game character? Uh, it can be hero, sidekick, villain, you know, any type of character, but... Who's your favorite character? Oh, that's easy for me. I grew up playing Halo, so it's got to be the Master Chief. <laughs> I, I saw the 117 in your username, and I was going to ask. So that's... <laughs> uh, good stuff. <laughs> what about you, James? Yep. Definitely, um, definitely grow up with... Um... Legend of Zelda Link would probably be one of my favorite um, video game characters. Um, it still lives on to this day with the Switch and the new new Zelda game. Yeah. But I uh, always remember back in the day playing um, on the, the Game Boy and or the 2D. It was like super, super fun. Like not a lot of games have that sort of fun nowadays. It's just like the, the whimsy of it or what, what in particular uh, don't you feel most games have? Just like the, um, I guess like the, I mean, being as a, as a kid, I guess that's probably, you know, you'd have a, a less expectations, but now as an adult, it's a bit harder to get that same, same feeling. I guess that's what I mean. Sure. Chasing sure. the original high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, so uh, moving on from that, uh, what is a video game that you you would love to play over again for the first time? So you don't have to worry about it aging poorly or anything like that, but you get to have that original <laughs> experience all over Ooh, again. That's a hard one. <laughs> Shit, there's so many. <laughs> and you can't use Halo or... Um, a Zelda game because those are the <laughs> obvious choices. Uh. <laughs> oh, uh, I went first last time, James. You go. <laughs> yeah, I actually really, really loved playing Minecraft when it first came out. Like that was like super fun uh, when it first came out. I even really liked um, doing like the there's some servers which did like a PvP mode. And yet it's just sort of like a survival PvP mode, and that was like super fun. And obviously, you know, building stuff with your friends, it's just really cool. Good pick. Ooh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I totally would have said that. I'll pick something else now. Um. <laughs> uh, um. Oh, there's 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 a top ten list, but um, I don't know. Um. I'd say Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Hmm. That was um, <laughs> that was a, a really, really interesting playthrough, um, and I, I, I love horror games. Um, but it was uh, it was great because I remember when that first you know came out. I was playing at um, you know 10 p.m. at night, headphones on, mm-hmm. no one else in, in the house. Uh, and it was terrifying. <laughs> but by the end of it, I played it through another another two or three times, I think, in the, in the coming months. Um, that would be a fantastic one uh, to replay, I, I think, uh, you know, with, with no memory of it. Sure. Um, great experience, yeah. Do, how, how does a game like that hold up on subsequent playthroughs? I feel like after you've either realized there's not a scare there or... Um, you know, you, you know where a lot of the jump scares are coming from. It's, it wouldn't be near as scary. You wouldn't get that same experience with it. Actually, uh, really well. Uh, okay. you, you, you allow a couple of months uh, in between. You, mm. you play a few other games, and uh, trust me, by then, you've forgotten most of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tried Amnesia twice. Uh, once originally when it came out, and I got through the like sewer area where you're chased by the giant monster, and then you come up into the room with like the nice little pool and the light coming through the windows, and I was like, okay, I escaped, I'm done, it's over. Uh, then I, I got it again on Xbox, and I was like, you know what? I've played more horror games since then, I can do this. I got to the same point, and I was like, nope, <laughs> game is over. I have I have survived, this is the end for this character. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh... a... <laughs> good, good pick. Uh, okay, so the next question is similar, but uh, a little different. What is a game that you would like to give a second chance to? Uh, whether you you know played it at a bad time in your life, or you know, the game just didn't jive with you, or whatever the case may be, but you could kind of just wipe away that first experience and give it a fresh go. Hmm. All right, uh, ooh, let's think. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, I'm going to say Pokemon Go, <laughs> mobile game. I uh, I, I 
jumped into that game uh, head first, obviously, growing up with um, with with Pokemon. You know, did the whole thing with my uh, brother, uh, my younger brother, who deleted my game after, you know, finally <laughs> finishing it and beating the Elite Four. And, you know, um, so I did that whole, whole thing. Um, so, yeah, when Pokemon Go came out, I was really excited for it. Um, but I probably went in a bit strong and I, I committed way too much time to it. Um, and there was, I remember the exact moment when I, I regretted um, just how much I was playing it as I was on a train ride home and um, uh, Dragonite, uh, if you know what Dragonite is, I suppose. Um, anyway, a rare Pokemon spawned um, on the train station uh, and it was just out of uh, reach. I uh, couldn't reach it from uh, obviously where I was on the train. Now, this wasn't my station. This was well and truly like halfway down, down the line. Um <laughs> And I remember getting up and standing at the train door and I was fully prepared to just jump off the train and go after this thing. <laughs> um, and then it was like a, a snap back to reality when my uh, my now wife uh, called me and phone went off and just <laughs> came crashing down and went, so this is where I've, uh, this is where I've landed, huh? This is what it's come to. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I can see that as the beginning to like a uh, a TV show or something where you're sitting there, you get up, you actually do jump off the train, you get the Pokemon, and then the uh, the train takes off, and you're just like, no! Then record scratch. It's like, yep, that's me. Want to know how I got here? <laughs> so yeah, I guess if I could do it over. <laughs> a little more moderation really, really... there. A really good game, but it was like, um, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, having scotch with breakfast, you know, started drinking way too early in the day. You gotta uh, wait at least until lunch. I mean, God. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a bit like that. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I've, I've steered clear of it ever since. Just, you know, <laughs> too worried that, um, you know, I'll, I'll fall down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> That's, I don't think that's a bad idea. What about you, James? <laughs> uh, so what was the question again? Uh, what is a, a game that you would like to be able to give a second chance to, to kind of erase the first experience and try again, whether you played it at a bad time in your life or um, you, know, you just didn't like the game when you first played it, or maybe you played it too much and would like to, <laughs> to, to go again uh, with a little uh, more restraint. So I reckon um, Doom, because I, I mean, I'm obviously a busy person uh, and find it very hard to find time to play games. Um, but like, I listen to the Doom soundtrack religiously, mm. and like, it's really sort of like, you know, I listen to it all the time, and it's like super awesome. But I've only played the game for like an hour. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> I need more time for this. <laughs> So I would really like to go play back, go back and play that, and um, and actually finish it. That would be yeah. super cool. I uh, I feel kind of the same way. I'm not, I haven't listened to the soundtrack uh, very much, but I mean it's it's obviously good. It's one of those games where I've sat down and tried to play it a few times, and I'm like, this is objectively a great game. It's beautiful. It's fun to play. Mm. But then just something else uh, shiny catches my attention, and then it'll be like a year, and I'm like, I've I've played 30 minutes of Doom. I need to actually. 
Like, <laughs> I need to sit down with this game. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day, you know? Uh, I yeah, make no promises. Uh, but, um, uh, the music's really super interesting. There's actually a really good um, GDC talk on how how um, they make the music, and it's just, like, really crazy how how they go about it. Definitely a good watch. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving away from that, what is a good trend in video games that uh, you know maybe only a few people are doing out there, but it's something that you've noticed, and you, you it's something that you would like to see more in video games? Mm. Damn, that's a hard one. <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, you got anything, chaps? <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I sort of miss of the older games is just like complete games. Like, mm. I mean, we're, we're, we're under the same situation where we're still working on our game. Um, but like, obviously, it would require, it requires a lot of, um, you know, backing and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, just like that sort of trend of actually, you know, making a full, full game i guess the different requirements nowadays where you could sort of more freely you're able to just update the game whenever you feel like and that sort of thing i feel um, like um i don't know there's definitely a lot of like triple a games that come out and you know it it because of how much like dlc they announce it feels like they haven't released a complete game mm. um but I wonder if a lot of that sensation is just because, you know, you can now essentially edit your game afterwards. It's kind of like editing a text message after you send it. Like, it's like once you've once you've done the thing, like, it's done the way video games used to be. And so, yeah. I don't know, I, I wonder if some of that feeling is just like, well, now we can still fiddle with it. And there's an extent of, um, like, I, I did writing in college and kind of the, the age-old... Uh, advice about writing like your your story's done when when you stop writing like you can always yeah. go back and fiddle with it so it's it's just like you just have to stop at some point um i don't know i feel like it's I mean, different for a multiplayer game you know where you're mm, like keeping support definitely. for it uh but we see that a lot still with you know single player games and stuff like that where you yeah. know they go back to it and they're adding stuff and making changes and I wonder how much of that is just the sense of it's never done because people keep editing it rather than it not being complete. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not sort of a, a bad thing that it's become this way. Um, obviously, you know, a game's always getting better and better. Um, but yeah, I just guess it's some maybe sometimes disappointing for the players who have bought the game like straight up and you know there's some some issues and that sort of thing with it but um and then later on the game is like more complete and there is not as many issues yeah but yeah i definitely agree with that kind of sentiment of like it, it just feels like games aren't as complete in a way but uh it'd be interesting to see how many like what games fall in, in which camp of actually not being complete and just the sense of that because it's it's always being fiddled with yeah. yeah, I suppose it's all. Uh, it has a lot to do with demand as as well. I mean, the the world we live in right now is uh, oh, is very much supply and demand. Um, you know, we, we want things and we and we want it now. Um, and it puts it puts pressure on a lot of uh, I suppose these uh, big companies to you know in some cases uh, have yearly 
releases, mm-hmm. um, which is why some games um, <laughs> like Assassin's Creed Unity uh, are falling apart at the seams by the time they, you know, they're released, right. um, and are you know really uh, buggy and it just doesn't feel polished. Um, you know, I mean, in a lot of these cases, these are complete games being uh, released, but of course, you you look at uh, sort of back in the day um, at games like you know Super Mario sixty four, which um, released on Nintendo sixty four, um, which just felt like an experience in and of itself. Everything was was there, you know. Obviously, right. at that uh, time, uh, uh, that era of technology, there was no such thing as you know patches or, or updates being rolled out um the game uh, i suppose is what it is and uh, and that's and that's what you paid for mm-hmm. um very different of course uh nowadays um and i suppose to answer your your question um i would say that uh i mean the the internet has sort of um i don't know i don't want to say ruined a lot of games but um when, when I suppose you can you can look up um, a game on, on the internet and uh, you know if you were missing something in the game like collectibles or uh, you needed a guide on how to do a level or something like that you just the first thing you would do nowadays is uh, jump on the internet find a guide and uh, and do just that mm-hmm. um, whereas playing games uh, like um, Super Mario 64. Uh, I've clocked hours on that thing, uh, just looking for all those stars. <laughs> um, hours upon hours, uh, you know, no guides, no nothing. And I swear to this day, I'm still missing like three stars. And it's just, <laughs> I, I've never actually sat down and, and looked up where to find them. Because um, it's just, you know, one of those things. Like, it was just a, a really solid game as it is. And I wouldn't ruin it by, you know, looking up any guides or anything like that um, to tell me how, how to do it or where to find them. Um, so it'd be, it'd, I suppose, really, really cool to sort of have uh, games like that, even where, um, you know, people don't ruin games uh, for each other um, or spoil games. Um, you know, we, we look at um, pop culture these days and, uh I always had a huge amount of respect for, uh, you know, people not ruining Game of Thrones or, you know, mm. people who went and saw Avengers and, you know, ruin it for other people. Amazing that, um, you know, secrets could be kept on such a wide scale, you know, even across the internet, people had a mutual respect for each other. Um, you know, watching those series or even playing games. I've had a, a few games ruined for me by friends who, you know, <laughs> just couldn't shut their mouths. Um <laughs> <laughs> um so so, so yeah, what sorry. what is the good trend in that that you're that you're <laughs> sorry i sort of got towards. carried away on, on a tangent there it's all right <laughs> i suppose it was more of a more of a follow-up to what uh, james was saying about you know games being released uh uh, uh being complete sure. uh maybe i'll talk about something else in in regards to a, a trend is uh having uh really balanced and well-integrated vehicles in games. Um, and I'll call out uh, Halo for this one. Okay. Um, where the, uh, the balance between the, the first-person shooter gameplay and the, sort of the vehicle gameplay. Um, I haven't played 
another game that's nailed it quite as well. Um, and there's a lot of games out there that just won't, you know, touch vehicles. A lot of first-person shooters out there that won't go near them just because it's a, it's a whole beast in and of itself to, you know, make sure that uh, your vehicles are uh, mesh well with your other gameplay that they, uh, you know, mold into the, um, the game mode. And there's a whole heap of other things, a whole range of uh, balancing issues you'd need to address with the impl- implementation of uh, vehicles into a game like that. Um, but having played Halo for years and years and years, it'd be something I'd, I'd love to see other um, developers uh, do and sort of uh, take that on board and, uh, you know, um, implement some really fun vehicles into their games. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. I, I don't... I don't know, I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of lost on what Halo did uh, back in the day is, you know, first-person shooters around that time that had vehicles, you didn't just have, like, a warthog dropped off in front of you and then you drove that for half the vehicle and then you got out of that and then you kept playing. Uh, you know, you had a, a first-person shooter level and then the next level you had, you know, some sort of story context for why you're in a vehicle and rarely were you ever actually driving. You were just kind of a passenger shooting and it became almost more like a time crisis game rather than a a regular first person shooter um so that that definitely changed the game and i feel like we don't see a lot of that anymore where it's like one level is Mm. shooting one level is is driving um but very uh, seamless yeah Yeah. it's good stuff uh okay (laughs) so um you guys may have already answered this question but what is a bad trope (laughs) in video games that you wish would go away (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, hmm. Uh, possibly, uh, I want to say either too many customization options. Um, I know some people say you can't have enough customization, but that completely depends on how you're, how you do it. Um, customization for instance that's uh, hidden behind uh, or hidden in loot boxes for instance mm. um, is something that uh, needs to die <laughs> um, people should uh, especially if you're paying for it um, people should 100% know what they're uh, what they're in for um, if I'm spending money on something I want to know this is what I'm this is what I'm getting Um and yeah, customization where there's uh, certain, I suppose, not unreasonable requirements to sort of unlock those uh, uh, cosmetic items or, uh, I suppose, uh, weapons or what have you. Um, but just, I've seen games where you would have to literally commit dozens upon dozens of hours to unlock certain things. Um which is all, well, which may have been possible, you know, in, when I was a teenager, um, but it's just impossible to do now. I mean, you know, with, um, you know, obviously work and family commitments as, as you get older, um, you know, those things are sort of beyond reach. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it can be a bit of a letdown when there's something that you, you really sort of 
want in terms of a customizable item or an aesthetic piece um, that you just know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're just not going to have the time to sort of put into the game to to get that item. Um, and the alternative is, of course, paying for it, which is uh, fine, I guess. Um, but like I said, if um, you're paying for something uh, and it's a gamble, that's yeah, not exactly uh, <laughs> not uh, not a great feature or not a great trip that um, so that yeah, you, guys go, go you guys are announcing you guys are announcing loot boxes for customizable items for pixies right that's that's what i'm hearing they can have loot yeah. boxes but they're going to be free <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i would definitely be against paying for for something that is uh, completely random you wouldn't know what you're getting <laughs> absolutely uh, and just just to be clear, as far as all the customization, you're talking about like character cus- customization with like cosmetic items and stuff like that, not customizing controls or customizing other parts of the game. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. To be more specific, yes. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's I um, I played a lot of Halo Reach in college, and that was I think the first. Uh, I think Halo Three had like two or three cosmetic items that you unlocked just by playing the game and ranking up in the. The online leveling thing um but reach had a much more robust thing where you were earning credits and you could buy different things and like i had my eyes set on very like a very specific helmet and chest plate and all this stuff and i don't remember what rank i had to get to 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 unlock all that stuff but i finally got it all and it was it's not even like remotely halfway up the ladder of you know what you have to, to to do, but once I had my Spartan like customized the way that I wanted to, like my desire to play that game just dropped off the face of the earth. <laughs> um, like I got it the way I wanted. It's like okay, um, it's complete. That is my Spartan. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird feeling because I played played that game a lot in college, and then. Uh, yeah, I had my operator helmet with like a looked like a night vision goggles on the top and combat knife on the the chest plate. It was really cool. And then I was like, okay, cool. He can just he can stay like that. It's, <laughs> it doesn't matter if I unlock anything because I'm not going to use it. Um, the question is, if you unlocked it much earlier, would you have still played to show off that armor? <laughs> it's a good question. It's a good question. I have no idea. I have no idea. That was that was a long time ago now. So I that's a problem for past Jonathan that I don't have to worry about. Uh, what about you, James? What's a, a bad trope that you wish would at least lessen, if not just completely go away? Um, I mean, I I think it should. Uh, so basically, my sort of bad trope would be multiplayer games. I think there's. There's not enough sort of really, really solid single-player games, and especially like indie studio single-player games. And obviously, I'm sort of eating my words when we just made a, a multiplayer game. I was going to say, are you um, secretly <laughs> announcing a single-player version of... <laughs> um, not um, not Snake, but maybe a different game. But not definitely not an answer yet right now. But we could be working on a single-player game, that's for sure. Could be. No, no promises. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. We'll let you know. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, um, I... I mean, yeah, you don't want to get rid of modeling games altogether. Like my point is basically, you know, have more, you know, cool little independent single player games. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I suppose it uh, comes down a lot to who you're uh, 
target audiences. Um, like me, for instance, I, I play way more. Personally, I play way more single-player games nowadays than I did when I was uh, younger, um, just due to how much time I have in any given day. You know, I like the option of being able to, uh, you know, save in my game, uh, come back to it. Um, you know, the uh, the teenage excuse of, uh, you know, I can't pause my game uh, when you're being told uh, dinner's ready, is, uh, that doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> um, this is not a valid excuse to use <laughs> once you're all grown up. Right. Um, my, my, my excuse is I'm still coding. <laughs> I'm not finished coding. I can't pause that. Uh, nice. Uh, all right, so you guys are, are making video games. You are living the dream. Uh, but if there is any other profession you could try, and this is not assuming that something terrible happens and you have to do something else, it's just literally anything else in the world that you could do for a living, what would you want to give a shot? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, do you know who Rooster Teeth Studios are? Yeah. Yeah, I'd give my left nut to <laughs> work at Rooster Teeth. I'd work just... as a janitor. I don't care. That's, that's still <laughs> game. <laughs> so you're just making new seasons of Red versus Blue, or what, what do you want to yeah. do? That's... Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I suppose I, I'd yeah, be more than happy to work in video editing, um, okay. uh, sound design. Um, yeah, I suppose pick something out of the out of the barrel but uh yeah the the opportunity to work at uh that studio like 13 year old daniel <laughs> huge dreams awesome you can still still get to that stage <laughs> i think it's impossible still a possibility it's true james um i think I, i've always liked the idea of being a chef, but from what people have told me, I don't think I would want to. <laughs> if you know what I mean, like I, I love cooking, and I feel like that would be a pretty cool profession to be in. But like maybe something more of like a super super high professional chef, where it's like you know you can sort of relax a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just really like cooking, okay. or like a, a chocolatier. That would be a pretty cool one. Okay. Plus, that just sounds cool. It's like you're a yeah. musketeer, but you, you fight with chocolate or something. Uh. <laughs> hey, you just announced a, a, another, another game. I don't uh, even think you can do a chocolatier course in Australia. I think people have to go out to, like, France or something to do that course, and they, they come back. That sounds like a French thing. That's, that's... Yep. <laughs> it's not something we offer here. <laughs> Uh, all right, and the, the final question. All right. The two of you are walking down the street. Link and Master Chief show up. What is one question you would like to ask them? Ooh. Uh... <laughs> and it can't be something lame like, oh, why are you here instead of on Halo or in Hyrule or whatever, you know? <laughs> Uh, can I borrow your helmet and then just take off with it? <laughs> do you want it just so you have the helmet, or do you want to see what Master Chief actually looks like? 
uh, probably a bit of both. Okay. Yeah. I'd probably, yeah, relish that moment and then mm. take off. He'd probably catch me in three strides. But... Yeah, I was going to say, seven hundred <laughs> or seven foot tall, 300 pound uh, robot man chasing after you. I don't, I don't think he'd get very far. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a very tight-knit circle, people who have seen his face <laughs> in the universe. So, I'd... yeah. He's got to keep the secret. Definitely be rewarding. <laughs> uh, what about you james what what does link say to you and it, it's what not just say to me yeah uh or what question would you ask him that he would then answer i don't, I don't know what, what... uh ask him who his favorite video game character is <laughs> <laughs> what would you expect it to be <laughs> um <laughs> If you answer with a question, I'm just going to keep, we're just going to keep going in in cycles here. Uh. (laughs) Link, so. Hmm. The obvious one is Ganon. (laughs) You secretly find out when he plays Smash Brothers, he always plays as Ganon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think he always plays himself. <laughs> Who are you playing as? Duh, Link. <laughs> or no, he's like, I'm playing as Zelda, see? And it's Link on the screen. Uh, he's even confused about it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the world would just be confused. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Why is the world so confused about that? <sighs> it's a good question. And it's not one we're going to try to answer because that would be a whole other podcast. So we're going to go ahead and <laughs> call this show a wrap. Thank you guys so much for sitting down with me and talking about Hunt and Sneak. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out and pick up uh, the game. So the game is on Steam, but you can have a, you can check out the game at huntandsneak.com and you can go from there. Fantastic. And it's currently on Steam, as you said. Uh, any hopes to go to other platforms or anything like that? Yeah, so we're, we're hoping to get the game onto the Nintendo Switch. Um, we're aiming to have that done by the end of the year and maybe released early next year. Awesome. Um, that, that seems but like it's a all, good fit for all, that. all up That's in the air at the moment. Very cool. Well, good luck as you guys continue working on the game and supporting it, and uh, best of luck as you try to get that that Switch version done. That seems like a great fit. Uh, Thank you again for for chatting with me, and I look forward to talking to you guys again when we may or may not talk about the game that you're working on that may or may not be (laughs) the single-player game. We'll have to find out then. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks very much for having us. Absolutely.